Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. School is out and summer reading is in. Today we're all about the best books of the season. Fiction, nonfiction, mysteries, memoirs, kids' books, and a lot more that will transport you, hopefully, as you lounge by the pool. Three of Georgia's beloved booksellers are here to help sort through the stacks of new releases and some older reads, too, that are worth cracking for the first time or again. Janet Geddes is owner of Avid Bookshop in Athens and joins me now from WU. UGA. Janet, nice to have you back with us. Thank you for having me again. And Jessica Osborne is is with us from Savannah. She's co-owner and bookseller at eShaver. That's an independent bookstore in Savannah. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here. And here in the studio with us from Acapella Books, Frank Reese. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm great. And we'd love to hear you join us. What are you reading, giving, coveting? Let us know on Twitter. We're at OST Talk. And we've got a friendly group on On Second Thought GPB on Facebook as well. I'm going to get the sad stuff out of the way first. Tony Horowitz died suddenly of an apparent heart attack on May 28th. He's just starting his book tour for Spying on the South, an odyssey across the American divide. Now, he was a Pulitzer Prize winning author, just 60. But Frank, you had just had him at Acapella Books. We had, yeah. He, uh, I guess he died last Monday and the Monday previous to that. He was here in Atlanta doing a talk at the Carter Library. Oh, my goodness. So sad. He, he may be best known for his best-selling book, Confederates in the Attic. This was dispatches from the unfinished Civil War. And he turned his eyes back to the South. What, what, how will you remember him and his legacy in writing? Well, th- that was the only time I had the pleasure of meeting him, and he really made a very strong impression. We had a get-together before the event over at Manuel's Tavern, so he bounded in, full of energy, just full of life, and made it really, you know, in retrospect, it sounds like maybe I'm, uh, you know, adding s- some to this memory, but it, he really did uh, strike me uh, distinctively as being so full of energy, and I even said something along those lines. And he said, "Well, you're catching me at the beginning of a book tour. If you mm. if you caught me at the end, uh, I might be like a zombie." And uh, but I was struck uh, by his energy, by his positivity, by how he engaged. We had a small gathering of our great customers at Met Manuals, and he engaged with each of them. We have pictures from that night, and you could just see how he connected with people. And I think that was the key to his success as a journalist and as a writer. Oh, he will be dearly missed. Well, I'm going to move on to the to the positive stuff. Jessica, among your nonfiction picks, a memoir, Rough Magic, Riding the World's Loneliest Horse Race. This is by a first-time author, Laura, Laura Pryor Palmer. What makes that a standout for you? It's it's just an incredible story. It's about a young woman who decides on a whim to enter the Mongolian Derby. Um, it's a thousand kilometer horse race across Mongolia, kilometer, not kilometer, <laughs> without any real riding experience. And she's completely unprepared for this, and she ends up winning. Um, it's some really beautiful riding, and you just jump right into the story, and it's great to the very end. Now, we will have a list of all of the books that we talk about today, and we would love, again, to hear yours, what you're thinking of reading over the summer. Janet, Avid Bookshop recently hosted the writer Mary Laura Philpott, who just published a memoir in essays. This is called I Miss You When I Blink. What can you tell us about that, and what makes the memoir worth reading? This book is magical. I think its power is that everyone I know who's read it feels like Mary Laura is speaking specifically 
to them. Um, and so I, I am lucky enough to read advanced copies of books, which is how we know about books that are brand new. And uh, I remember reading it and just underlining probably once a page, being like, how is she in my head? And then to my delight and surprise, she's connected all of these readers worldwide who feel the same way, who are posting on Instagram and saying like, oh my gosh, how did Mary Laura know exactly what I was thinking? Uh, she's funny. She's um, a little bit self-deprecating sometimes without ever being uh, negative to herself somehow. Like she just uh, is good at critiquing herself. It's uh, hilarious in many parts and just really poignant just talking about how when you do have what looks like on paper as exactly the ideal life that you plan for yourself and you're still not happy where do you go from there? Uh, so I think a lot of us can identify with that. Oh, Frank, among your nonfiction picks, a real doorstopper, Our Man, Richard Holbrook and the End of the American Century, a biography of the former U.N. ambassador by a terrific reporter, George Packer. What grabbed you about this one? Well, uh, everything. I, 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 I laugh when I tell people I've been selling books for 35 years, and I swear I think this might be the best book I've ever read. No kidding. It's just, it's so extraordinary, both because, as you mentioned, Packer is a great reporter, a great writer, and Holbrook is just like uh, something out of fiction. You couldn't make up a person so complex, so infuriating, so brilliant, so awful. Uh, it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't quit thinking about it. I still can't quit thinking about it. And the few people, because like you say, it's a doorstop. So it's a tough sell to a lot of people who are only casually familiar with who Richard Holbrook was. But the people that have read it agree. You, once you read it, you just can't stop thinking about what an interesting and not completely, and maybe not even at all likable man, but, but just a fascinating man he was. Well, one woman that we all love to read, I'm, I'm guessing, is true. Ruth Reichel. Janet, you chose Save Me the Plums. This is a, another memoir by Ruth Reichel. What makes this one distinct? Uh, I'll start by saying that I am not a foodie. I was never a subscriber to Gourmet Magazine, where Ruth Reichel was the editor for many years. Uh, so I'm not the target audience, I didn't think. However, her story of um, how she ended up the editor-in-chief of Gourmet, what she did, how she led her team. Uh, just it explores these themes of women in leadership, of media, uh, in a world that is rapidly changing, uh, the life and death of many magazines. Like It's just this fascinating history paired with her personal journey. And I think uh, a lot of people, entrepreneurs and women especially, would really love reading this. Is it dishy? I mean, I sort of think of Glamour as one of those slick, beautiful New York mm. media magazines. Well, this is, uh, she was at Gourmet. Um, oh, sorry. But, Gourmet. yeah, fair enough. It's still, I, I learned the, the foodie world is a little more salacious than I thought, but she somehow uh, is able to tell us interesting stories without being too gossipy. But at the same time, uh, she doesn't really hold back on criticisms of the way the magazine world works. Um, and she definitely, for people who are familiar with these characters that she worked with, uh, they'll probably get a lot of good tidbits. Um, I was new to all of them, so it wasn't quite as exciting, uh, but on a gossip front, but I think people would really get a kick out of it if they've been following Gourmet. Janet Geddes, owner of Avid Bookshop in Athens. That was Frank Reese is also with us, owner of Acapella Books in Decatur, and Jessica Osborne, co-owner and bookseller at East Shaver in Savannah. We're talking about Books of the Summer 
summer. Frank, you also recommended The Light Years. This is a memoir by Chris Rush. Uh, the artist Chris Rush? The artist Chris Rush, yeah. who, uh, as, as Janet said about Ruth Reichel, I was not familiar with the artist Chris Rush. I just, it was recommended by a sales rep that it was a really good memoir. And uh, I was looking for a really good memoir, and I started reading it knowing nothing about who he was. But I think the fact that he is a, an artist, I guess, of some renown, um, really affects how he tells the story. It's very vivid. The, the prose is unique. He's not, this is his first book, and, but it's very polished, but it's very distinctive. And I think it is the visual that he allows you to see. His story, he grew up, uh, he was a little young to be a hippie, but his older sister was right at the right age, and she dragged him into it. So at about age 12, he became sort of a serious drug-using uh, hippie. At 12. At 12. Wow. And it, he came from a large Catholic family that was very dysfunctional. And, and again, right in the middle of this, this slightly older sister uh, went headlong into the hippie scene and dragged him with her. And it's a harrowing story. It's it, You read it, and you can't imagine how he survived, and you can't imagine how he remembered so much in detail, but he does, and it's it's really well worth reading. Now, Janet, you chose a memoir by somebody who was raised in an evangelical Christian family, The Comedy Sex God by Pete Holmes. He is an HBO, very well known as an HBO stand-up comedian for specials there. Would you recommend this one to your mom? Yes, um, but my mom is a podcast junkie, avid reader. Uh, she and I have a very... Uh, open relationship. She she never uh, holds back on what she thinks about things. Um, and she also is from a family where she grew up very religious and she's not anymore. So I think she'd really like it. Um, and to continue the theme of not being familiar with these apparently extremely famous people, <laughs> I had heard of Pete Holmes, uh, but I actually, I got myself the audiobook because uh, a lot of us indie sell audiobooks now. And so I was like, I'll just listen to this one. And it was delightful and so much, uh, I thought it was going to be all fluff, but instead uh, Pete explores what it was like to grow up in a very religious household and how he's had these explorations with God and belief and fell away from belief, and but how he still wanted to connect with the world. But at the same time, it's very funny. Um, I, I was just delighted by it. It was a lot deeper and uh, more thought-provoking than I had anticipated. Uh, Pete Holmes does also have a podcast. Jessica, I don't want to leave you out, but many of your choices were fiction, so I'm going to hang on for just a minute and, and ask Frank about another nonfiction choice, Range, Why Generalist Triumph and a Specialized World, David Epstein. Sounds self-helpy, is it? Well, no, it really isn't. It's really more in the Malcolm Gladwell uh, realm. In fact, um, uh, David is coming to Atlanta later uh, in this month. Uh, he'll be speaking at Manuel's Tavern about it. So I'm a Malcolm Gladwell fan. Uh, I think he's one of those writers whose fame is, is so great that uh, a lot of people kind of turn against him. But I, I think his approach to writing is, is, is very inviting to any reader. And I think Epstein follows in that path. And he kind of takes on Gladwell in this with Gladwell's famous notion of 10,000 hours to master whatever it is that you're doing. And he sets up a, a, a you know, a comparison at, at the outset of the book between, um, uh, you know, the, the, the person who obsesses and, and trains and single-mindedly goes to their what they're going to be an expert at versus the generalist. And he comes out on the exact opposite side from where Gladwell did uh, in, his, in his book. And 
to his credit, Gladwell blurbs this book and says he loved it and, and the challenge, the intellectual challenge of his own data. Yeah, they have an ongoing kind of battle, the two of them, I, right. I've noticed. I heard him speak, in fact, at the High Museum last fall, I think. Um, how about in the true crime genre, huge genre right now, uh, or crime novels, anything come up for you all? Uh, personally, I, I'm I'm not a big reader in that realm, but you're right. It is it, it is huge in in crime fiction. Uh, one of our fiction choices uh, that that I had pulled was from one of my booksellers, Matt Nixon, raves about uh, this book, Disappearing Earth, by is a debut novel mm-hmm. by Julia Phillips, and it's it's a mystery thriller set in uh, Kamchatka, Eastern Russia. Uh, and but it's really much more than that, and it explores the interesting culture there and the uh, the family that is two girls go missing and and that it propels the plot of the book and it's a year of the community searching trying to figure out what happened to these girls and so uh, that's that's one of Matt's uh, who's our great fiction uh, reader at the store one of his great picks for the season. Okay, we got some uh, reader comments. Leslie Martin says Sunset Beach by Mary Kay Andrews. So far, so great. And of course, we will get to that. Mm -hmm. That's a beach read essential. Uh, We're going to leave you with the Talking Heads, a little bit of music to get your pages turning. This is the book I read by Talking Heads. But as we say, Jessica Osborne, E. Shaver Bookstore in Savannah, Frank Reese of Acapella Books in Decatur, and avid bookshop owner Janet Geddes in Athens. Now, we do want to hear from you. Tell us what you are thinking of reading. Are you missing Game of Thrones? Do you need something to supplement your fantasy or thriller or sci-fi reads? Do you need something that's a great biography, something for inspiration? Let us know. We're at OST Talk on Twitter. You can also go to our Facebook group. We're at Facebook On Second Thought, GPB. Make sure you can weigh in. Let us know what you're reading. And try the new NPR name generator. You take the last name of the last book you read's author, use it for your first name. Last name, you use your destination, last destination on Uber or Lyft. So I, by the way, am Makai Cherokee. But perhaps the best name we've got going is our intern, Jake. He is Pullman Lumpkin. What are you? Let us know. We are back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. And we're talking about summer books, summer reads, been dire predictions of local independent bookshops disappearing while we find that those were greatly exaggerated. Thanks to people like our guest today. Independent bookstores are indeed thriving with staff you can trust and provide a a more curated experience, really. So we're turning to them, those people who sell page turners every day to get their picks for books to add to their summer reading list. And while they're here, you can ask them what to read if you love mysteries or thrillers or looking for kids' books. Let us know what you're reading or want to on Twitter at OST Talk. Let us know in our Facebook group, GPB Radio on Second Thought. It is a judgment-free zone. And if you'd like, you can let us know what your NPR name is, according to the new NPR name generator. You use the last name, of the author of the last book you read and as your last name you use the destination for your last Uber or Lyft ride. It is extreme NPR. Joined by Janet Geddes here, owner of Avid Bookstore in Athens, Jessica Osborne, owner of E. Shaver in Savannah and Frank Reese, owner of Acapella Books in Atlanta. I erroneously said Decatur before. All right, we're going to keep going with fiction for a little bit. Jessica, you have a lot of fiction on your list. Why is that? Is there something inherently more summery about a novel? 
Sometimes there is. It just happens to be what I've been reading a lot of recently. Um, I do read nonfiction as well. I love Save the Plums by Ruth Reichel. Um, but I, I just find in the summer I jump into fiction. I want to kind of live in another world for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, especially in the heat. Now, both of you chose Sally Rooney's Normal People, both you and Frank, a New York Times bestseller. Why would you consider this one a great read for, let's say, a book club, Jessica? It, it's just beautifully written. It's honest. It's complicated. It's a story of love and friendship. Um, it starts in high school uh, with a relationship between Connell and Marianne, and it follows them all the way through their university days, through him being popular to her suddenly being popular. Um, as you go deeper, their family pressures, their lives, and in the end, they normalize into a relationship that really gives both of them a place in the world. I guess it's coming to Hulu also in a series in 2020. <gasps> Frank, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what I this hear. This book is perfect, everyone. Normal Very people exciting. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Frank and Janet, you both agreed on City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. Now, she's one of those people, those writers that people just love to hate on. She was the author of Eat, Pray, Love, just freakishly, freakishly successful book. Known for nonfiction. This, is this her first novel, Frank? Oh, no, it's her third, actually. She wrote one before Eat, Pray, Love. And, um, you know, I, I think the fact that people love to hate her is one of the reasons I, I particularly like her. I, uh, before her second novel several years ago, which really was, I think, long-listed or, n- or at least nominated for National Book Award, Signature of All Things, which was a really great historical novel. But I saw her speak at a booksellers convention. I think Janet was probably there as well. And she talked about what happens to a writer when they have the success of a book like Eat, Pray, Love, and how, of course, it is a great positive uh, in, in terms of wealth and fame and freedom, but it also, for a writer like her, and she was a successful, though not all that well-known writer, and what it does to her world of, but what I want to do is write, and I can't yeah. just write now that I'm yeah, the author of Yeah, how do you come back from that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and uh, yeah, Janet, I, I think we, we agree. It's this this new novel is just a fun, and I, in my idea of a fun, perfect summer read. What, why do you think, Janet? It, uh, so it's historical fiction, but it's light um, in many ways. It explores uh, feminism and adventure. It takes place in the 40s in New York City. Uh, a woman who is, uh, ni- I think she's 18 or 19, and she's off in the city for the first time by herself. She's a vassar dropout and does not want the life that her family has uh, dictated for her. So she goes to live with her aunt who runs this sort of ramshackle theater in Midtown. And it's just delightful and funny. I mean, there are lots of dark parts too, but it just, um, I probably read it in a day and a half, even though it's, I don't know, 500 pages or something. It's just a delightful read. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, Janet. That's all I, I can say. Either. I don't We've sleep. got a note from Twitter. Jamie Fuller says, couldn't put down A Woman is a Man by Etaf Rum. Does anyone know this book? Yes. A woman is no man. A, no, a woman um, is no man. I'm sorry. No I may have read it wrong. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I read this book. Again, this was one that is a longer book and, and a little bit difficult, um, but I read it in probably about a day and a half. And you start out with the main character leaving Palestine in 1990 um, and coming to the United States in an arranged marriage, and you're kind of hopeful for her future and that things are going to change. And then you get in this community in Brooklyn and, and really nothing changes. Mm-hmm. She, she has no freedom. She, um, 
is really just almost a prisoner in her own home. And it reminds you to look closer at the people that are living next door to you and really wonder what's going on. Jenny, you also mentioned another novel. This is Ask Again, Yes, by Mary Beth Keene. I, I read her book, Fever. This was about a 19th century New York uh, and a woman who became known as Typhoid Mary. Is this another historical novel? Um, I guess only in the sense that it doesn't take place in present day, but it, I mean, it only goes back maybe 30 or 40 years, as far as I recall. I read it a few months ago. Um, I've been telling people this is like a mashup in some ways, of Sally Rooney's uh, Normal People and Anne Patchett's Commonwealth, uh, so that traces the story of uh, two friends who met because their parents knew each other and worked together and sort of the the history of them growing up. Um, And there is a tragedy when the friends are in about eighth grade, I think, and the book explores what happens uh, with the repercussions of that tragedy. How does it affect the families and the friendships? And then these two people who are inextricably drawn together again and again, yet still have to navigate this awful thing that happened between them, Mm. between their families. Um, It is really well written. I couldn't put it down. And it just came out on Tuesday. Um, So I'm excited to share it with readers. Okay, so again, we have the full list of all of our booksellers' recommendations for the summer, and we'd love to hear yours. Leslie Martin says Sunset Beach by Mary Kay Andrews, and this was on your list. This is, you know, you can't have a summer without a Mary Kay Andrews book. Jessica, (laughs) what did you think of Sunset Beach? I I love Mary Kay. She's wonderful. She's been just great to our store, and um, this this is kind of her love story back to her hometown growing up, and it's just a great summer read. I mean, her, her books are always just a great summer read, perfect for by the pool or on the beach. I have to admit, staying up way too late for many nights with The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Anybody else read that book? Oh, yes. Why, why did you love it? Yeah. Um, this was my first Rebecca Mackay book, even though people recommended her to me for years. Um, it the When I pitch it to my customers, it sounds so dark because it does explore... Uh, the beginning of the AIDS crisis in Chicago and then moves on from there until present day. But just the way that Mackay unpacks the friendships between people while also educating the audience in a non-didactic way about how the AIDS crisis unfolded and particularly in Chicago, what happened uh, among uh, AIDS activists. I think it's particularly a good read for uh, Pride Month, which mm-hmm. is this month. Um, it's just so well done. Um, and I think probably half my staff just fell in love with this book so much that we were able to convince Rebecca to come to the store last uh, summer after she visited Decatur Book Festival. But she's just a stellar writer, and it's brand new in paperback this week. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking is people grew up who are active, young adults now, who never even knew anything about the AIDS crisis. And that was one of the things that struck me. And the way that it changed, all of that death changed relationships around Mm -hmm. people was really devastating. Janet, you also, uh, speaking of paperback Florida, these are connected stories by Lauren Groff, still generating a lot of buzz, the winner of the 2019 Story Prize and a great Southern book in many ways. Frank, you're nodding. Why did you love this book? Well, I, I I love her. I I loved I think her previous book even even better. But um, yeah, these stories she you know she mines the the area that she has adopted as her home and just finds all sorts of mystery and intrigue and darkness. Uh, but but I think ultimately an affirmation, uh, affirmative view of, of of surviving in the world. But it's a 
uh, you know, she, the, the, the Florida landscape really hypnotizes her. And I think, I think partly because she came to it as an outsider and is just sort of mesmerized by it. Frank Reese there. Also with us, Jessica Osborne, Janet Geddes. Let's move on, if we could, to um, kids' books. I mean, kids don't have to worry about school for a couple of months, but to keep them busy, parents love them to read, and we love to read in the summer. Don't Let Them Disappear is a children's book by Chelsea Clinton. Janet, this was your recommendation. What ages is this for? Well, this is a picture book, um, but honestly, we've been selling a lot to adults as well. Um, it's this lavishly illustrated by Gianna Marino, this picture book that um, educates us in a really beautiful way about endangered species. Uh, so it is a call to action, and there are kind of instructions and tips for uh, readers young and old about how they can act on behalf of animals who are in danger. Uh, but it's also just a delightful read for anybody who loves animals. And again, just paging through the illustrations is so much fun to do uh, at story time. And it's also a great book for kids to just sort of explore on their own, uh, just because the colors are so vivid. It's, it's just a really lovely book. Is it a book that people would pick up if her name weren't Chelsea Clinton? Yes, and we are uh, particular about that with uh, you know celebrity books. I mean, we'll we'll bring them in in lower quantities if if the person has really big name power. But in cases like this, we we always give the author a chance, and in this case, uh, it really stands up. Jessica, you have a couple of children's books to share. Extraordinary Birds by Sandy Stark McGinnis, debut novel. This is a kids' book. It is a kid's book. It's a middle grade reader, and it's about a foster child trying to find her place in the world. Um, Her name is December, and she has been left by her biological mother. And the only thing that her mom leaves behind is the Complete Guide to Birds, Volume 1, and a note that says, in flight is where you'll find me. And so she just is burning through foster homes and finally thinks she'll find a forever home. Um, and it, it's it's just a touching, poignant, really good debut middle grade novel. You also liked On the Come Up by Angie Thomas. Now, this is the author of The Hate You Give, a bestseller, big grossing movie. What's the story with this novel? Uh, this novel is about 16-year-old Brie who wants to be one of the greatest rappers of all time. And it's um, she's talented, and she tries to balance her dream of rapping with staying true to herself. And it's really fun to see the creative struggles of the process in Brie's lyrics. And um, it's really a story about fighting for your dreams when the odds are stacked against you and how for young black people, the freedom of speech isn't always free. Okay, so is that a YA book or middle grade? It's a YA book. Have we finally reached peak post-apocalyptic YA novels? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Kind of hope so. Let's kind of hope so. Okay, so Frank, you made your daughters read True Grit, I understand, by Charles Portis, (laughs) classic Western. Why important for your kids to read it? Well, uh, I, I kind of just shared that because, we, you know, acapella, we don't do children's books, so I don't have much to say about children's books. But that, I love Charles Portis. Uh, I just love Charles Portis. And True Grit, to me, the, the character, you know, Maddie is just such a strong young female character. And, and I was raising two daughters, and it's like I'm not going to, you know, tell them what to read. I'm not going to, you know, because I'm not really a children's book person at all. But uh, that book. You know, I I love his writing, and I love that character, and I made them both read it. 
neither of them liked it. But uh, <laughs> but they'll they'll remember that, that Charles Portis is important to me. And one of these days they're gonna and and I think they already do. Charles, I just think his prose is so perfect and and just that. Uh, you know, it's 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 that southern thing with it's very understated as opposed to a lot of southern humorous writers who kind of overdo it, and he just understates it, and and that's what I love about him. All right, we're going to make a hard turn to some foodie books. Um, Janet, you say you're not a cookbook, uh, you're not a foodie, but you chose Smoke Lore, a short history of barbecue in America by Jim Akmoody, terrific writer, a terrific reporter. But how does this differ from every other slew of barbecue books published? Well, I. I have to admit, I only opened it because it was published by UGA Press, which is here in Athens, and I always like to give their books uh, a chance, and I was delighted by it. Um, The research that Jim has done on not only barbecue joints, but just sort of the evolution of barbecue is really fascinating, and obviously barbecue is a great American summer pastime, (laughs) so I thought this would be a really good gift. Um, It would be great for a lot of Father's Day gifts and just... uh, for hostess gifts if you're going to a barbecue in a friend's backyard. Um, But it's just kind of interesting. It's one of those ones you crack open thinking you're not going to be that interested, and then you look up and 30 minutes have passed, and you've been perusing the pages. Ah, Don't we love that about books? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, too. It's It's a beautiful beautiful looking book. Frank, you chose Hot Box by Lee Brothers. Not exactly a cookbook. No, it's not. They're they're cookbook writers. This this is a departure for them. They... um, you know, we were with them this past weekend at the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival, and they're just—they're both of them are just so personable and likable. But they, you know, as a after a career, a successful career of cookbook writers and uh, food writers, decided to go undercover as caterers, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of inspired by their friend and Atlanta chef Stephen Satterfield cooking at the James Beard House in New York, and they went along and just witnessed what goes on in this world of high-end catering. So it's a catering expose. Exactly. It's like Kitchen <laughs> Confidential for the catering world. And it's really, it's their, their infectious personalities come through in the book. It's really a great read. All right. How about for you, Jessica? You, uh, uh, Janet recommended a back-in-the-day bakery book at, for, you know, what's a summer celebration without a couple of good baked goods? This is by Cheryl <laughs> and Griffin Day. Now, but the back-in-the-day bakery is a Savannah landmark. Do you know them? Do you know that bakery? I- I do. I know them, and I frequent them as often as I can. Um, <laughs> they're they're wonderful, and I use their cookbook, and I always tell customers that it's a cookbook that you can really cook out of. There's nothing missing. All the steps are there. It turns out perfectly every time. So if you can't manage to get there when um, when they're open, you can you can duplicate it at home. Yeah, I always wonder that in cookbooks. Do you guys actually cook out of these books? I Everything do. I yes. recommend, yes. Okay. Okay. How <laughs> about for you, Frank? Too, I will say, like, baked goods might not be super appealing in the summer, but um, for those of you who don't wake up at 3 a.m. to bake, <laughs> I do not. Uh, there are a lot of great sandwich recipes and lunch recipes, too. Frankie, but Frank has a stack of books with him. He has the advantage <laughs> of being right here. What else have you got there in the foodie category? Well, again, these were all from the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival this past weekend. And uh, this is a Ramen Ataku, which is a, a brand-new book by a Nashville-based uh, writer. She uh, is a Tennessee native but spent a lot of her career as a uh, out in L.A. in the entertainment industry. But fell in love with ramen and moved back home to Tennessee and realized nobody has ramen around there. So she had to figure out how to make it herself. So this is a step-by-step book of how to do your own ramen at home. And uh, I 
plan to cook from it, uh, <laughs> but I have not yet. But uh, she, yeah, Sarah uh, Gavigan is her name, and the book is uh, Ramen Ataku. So it's a very, uh, it's very inspirational for me right now. I'd love to figure out how to do it. I think cookbooks should be aspirational, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> All right, so we are going through some of the books of the summer. Great books. We just wrapping up cookbooks. Have you got another one there for us, Frank? Well, yeah, another one again from this past weekend from uh, from Cajun country. Uh, Isaac Toops, uh, who's got a book called Chasing the Gator. Uh, met him for the first time uh, over the weekend. He's a big, strapping, shaved head guy, kind of intimidating. Looks like he might be mean, but actually, you meet him and he's quite nice. And uh, and it's, and he he tells the story of what it's like growing up in Cajun country and learning to cook from his grandmothers and sharing it with people. And again, it's very unpretentious and and uh, it's very very inviting. You got to be a big guy for chasing gators. <laughs> Okay, Frank Reese right there, owner of Acapella Books in Atlanta. Also with us, Janet Geddes from Avid Bookshop in Athens. And Jessica Osborne, she's co-owner and bookseller at E. Shaver in Savannah. We'll leave you with, I guess, thematically, bodedly. You can't judge a book. Please join the conversation. Let us know what you're reading. Let us know what you want to read or you're curious about. We've got three terrific booksellers here with suggestions. You can go to our Facebook group. We're at GPB Radios on Second Thought. Or ask us on Twitter. We're at OST Talk. Well, let's see. Janet John McQuan did. He recommends Resistible Rise of Arturo by Bertolt Brecht. Well, there you go. There's a good summer read for you. We're going to come back with some classics like he suggested. When On Second Thought continues, stay with us. I'm Virginia Prescott. It is the Summer Book Show on On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott, where you're listening to GPB. Whether you buy a new book or a used one, or if you stop by your local library, summertime is a really great time to soak in some books while you soak in the sunshine. And today we're going through some of those hot summer reads with Georgia independent booksellers. Janet Geddes, owner of Avid Bookshop in Athens. Jessica Osborne, she's co-owner of Eshaver in Savannah. And Frank Reese, he's owner of Acapella Books here in Atlanta. What about you? Is there one book you loved last year and you're looking for something new? Do you love thrillers or mysteries? Discovered something new? What is on your summer reading list. You can let us know in our Facebook group, GPB Radio's on Second Thought. On Twitter, we're at OST Talk. And we got a great recommendation. Sue Baum on Twitter says, great show. Recently love Rise and Fall. It's a story of 9-11 by Zukov. Long, but so great. Read it in three days. And The River Holler, gripping adventure. Love Trevor Noah's memoir, Born a Crime. Terrific book there. Last one. I hadn't read the other two. Do you, do you all know the uh, story? The Rise and Fall story of 9-11. Anybody know that one? I that. All right. Great recommendation there from Sue Baum on Twitter. Thank you so much. I want to hit on some sci-fi. Jessica, you're waiting for the release of The Lesson by Caldwell Turnbull. How does this novel stand out? It, it's it's a great debut novel. It takes place in the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, and it's a first encounter novel, an alien ship. Um, lands over Water Island, and and it's how the people learn to get along with them, and their uh, simmering tension going on. And after the death of a young boy um, at the hands of Ayana, who are the race that come in, um, three families find themselves in the middle of this conflict, and it, it it's 
you know, I, I read it while I was flying somewhere, and I think I finished it in six hours because I had to know what happened at the end. But I don't want to spoil it for anyone who um, is going to be reading it. How about the, the rest of you, Frank or Janet, any suggestions in the sci-fi or fantasy realm? Oh, I'm afraid I don't have great recommendations there. <laughs> I always refer to my booksellers' recommendations yeah. in the store. Yeah, that's 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 me too. But well, one of my booksellers, and, and it's not really classic sci-fi, but uh, it, it's um, uh, a book in, entitled uh, "Infinite Detail" by Tim Maugham. And the premise of that is uh, it's it's young people who are are have decided that uh, the way forward is to completely disconnect from social media and uh, which is sort of an inverse of course and and uh, and and Chris Bucksbaum at our store just raves about that book I, I can I can get with that I got to tell you <laughs> Jessica for a thriller you chose my sister the serial killer by someone's last name that I'm probably not going to pronounce process Oyenken Brathwaite can you give it a try I I think so I think you got it um, and actually this is one of my bookseller Miriam's favorite books and um she says it's an intense and sweltering murder mystery set in Nigeria, centered around two very different sisters. So one of the sisters is a nurse, while the other is, well, you know, a serial killer. <laughs> and um, they each go to dangerous lengths for each other. And Miriam says that she, she just read this in one sitting, and I watched her do it. She couldn't put it down. It was hard to get her to do anything else for a day or two. What, what are people asking you about when come, people come into the shop? Do they ask for, uh, give me a thriller, give me a great mystery? What, what's the summer read preference? A little bit of everything in our shop. Um, usually we start with what was your last favorite book, and, and then we go from there. So we've been speaking about books that are already out, but there are also some great upcoming releases. Frank, I think you're looking forward to a couple of books here. We Are All Good People by Susan Rebecca White. Right, yes. Yeah. So Susan Rebecca White is an Atlanta author. Uh, I've been a big fan. She has not written a book in quite a while, and uh, and this one is, I think, her best. Uh, it it Like she does so well, She's uh, she brings together two young women in college who uh, were roommates and become friends and... Um, and then, and it's in the '60s, and the political ferment of the time directs their lives. And one goes a little further uh, into the political movement than the other. One kind of becomes a radical; the other's sort of a classic liberal. And uh, and so Susan really stretches herself in this book, I think, by by depicting this this very realistic uh, underground political radical movement. Um, they come together again later in life in Atlanta, and and it really explores uh, it, it explores the way people make the decisions, the sort of political decisions of their lives and and their intentions. So that that title, we are all good people here. I think she, uh, no matter where on the spectrum these different characters are, I think Susan tries to portray them, and I think succeeds as people who are doing their best in their own belief system. And it doesn't always lead to positive outcomes, but uh, I think it's a really powerful book. So Susan Rebecca White, looking forward one. to that. You you love that one too? You've read it? Yes, yes. I'm hoping this will be her breakout. I love her writing, and I think this might be the one that catapults her to a, a new level of readership. 
In July, Chuck Klosterman, he's uh, to me a hilarious writer, great critic. He used to be the ethicist too for, that's, that's for the right. New York Times. That's right. I, I love him. A book called Raised in Captivity, which is a great title. <laughs> and it's it's wild. I mean, his last book, uh, I think it was his last book. He's turning them out pretty quickly now. But uh, what? If, but what if we're wrong? Was one of my favorite books mm. from a couple of years ago. And this one, he he, he says it's fictional, nonfiction, or nonfictional fiction. What, what does know, that mean? All these. Why his imagination is like nobody else's, and he just comes up with scenarios and tells these really short uh, tales, and uh, we're very excited about it coming out next month. Okay, Chuck Klosterman's book. Uh, Jessica, you're looking forward to a couple books out in July, which you describe to us as hopeful post-apocalyptic novel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Again, we have the advantage of reading um advanced copies. And this is not a book I normally would have picked up, but it was assigned to me for a project. And I ended up loving it. It really was a, a post, a hopeful post-apocalyptic novel. It takes place um, over a period. It's for the readers of Station Eleven, or um, it, it's really, it's a love story. It's a travel novel. Um, and it's, it's a scientifically sound um, the grid kind of goes down slowly because our country is in so much debt. And then there's a widespread flu pandemic. And suddenly, you know, we find ourselves in a situation with no electricity, no running water, no communication. And there's a couple. One is on the East Coast of New York. The other one is California. And um, he walks across the country on the rails to get back to her. And um along the way sees communities forming, taking the best of the knowledge and um, putting it together and starting to rebuild society. Sounds like the road on railroad tracks. Um, it's it's a little more hopeful than the road. I will say that this one doesn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much, but it, it's much more hopeful than the road. And the name of the book yeah, again, this, this is The Lightest Object lightest in the Universe. Object. Is that the? Yes. And who's The that? Lightest Object in the Universe. And um, it's by Kimmy... E-I-S-E-L-E. Well, I have to say one of the most anticipated books of the summer, The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, set in Jim Crow era Florida. It's also on the Bitter Southerner reading list. Why is this one popping up on multiple lists this year, do you think? Well, I think Underground Railroad is such a such, such a, a huge book, book. and mm -hmm. uh, I, again, I'll bring up my bookseller Matt Nixon, who has uh, been the one on staff so far to get to read Nickel Boys, and he said he likes it even better than than Underground Railroad. And I just think Whitehead is a is a terrific writer who I think, as Janet was saying about Susan Rebecca White, found a big audience for the first time with his last book, and and everybody realizes what a what an important writer he is, and so. It's exciting to see what his next book will bring. But a lot of people don't know he did write a zombie novel back oh, yeah. in the day. And you've got a zombie novel on your list, Jessica, Hollow Kingdom. <laughs> I do. I do, which, again, is not one of uh, the genres that I read a lot. But I happened to pick this one up. And I I'm just going to say if you're going to read one book about the appending zombie apocalypse. Um, this should be the book you read. <laughs> this is told from the point of view of a crow. Have I got that right? It, you do. It takes place in, in Seattle, and it's a pet crow of an electrician, and um, he's domesticated, and he likes hanging out with his owner, Big Jim, and trading insults with the wild crows around Seattle and eating his favorite food, Cheetos, which he says trademark every time he says it. And then one day, Big Jim's eyeball pops out and he realizes that things are not normal right now. And so um, he ends up saving 
Dennis, a bloodhound, and they go on a journey to kind of bring the animal community together. And it, it, it sounds ridiculous, but it is very funny and really well done. And it has a lot of tidbits about nature and how trees, birds, all of it communicates together. Okay, so that, again, we will have a list of all of our booksellers' recommended books. That is Hollow Kingdom, the name of that book by Kira Jane Buxton. Janet, what are you looking forward to this summer? Um, I am particularly excited about a book I just finished by Karen Duquesse. And by the way, my name is Duquesse LaGuardia. Hmm. Um, I just read The Last Book Party, which comes out in July. Um, it is like delicious literary candy for people who are really interested in uh, the behind the scenes uh, work that goes into creating a novel. Uh, it takes place in the summer of 1987, for the most part, in uh, Cape Cod. And there is a young woman who had been working at a literary agency who ends up being a writer's uh, assistant in Cape Cod. The writer has been, you know, writing for The New Yorker for 30 years and sort of what happens um, and also sort of what her career aspirations and limitations are. Um, and without knocking you over the head with it, you do wonder a lot, like what what of her career problems are uh, originate from her being a woman and uh, her it being 1987 and just sort of the, the hurdles that get in her way. But it has a lot of love and romance and drama and just a lot of like mid-20s adventure. So it's it's great for a, a beach read, uh, but is very smart as well. Yeah, interesting that these books about the 80s, do you think that that's kind of cycling around as, you know, uh, uh, the, the amount of distance it's time to write about the 80s now? Yes, I've definitely <laughs> it, it, gotten that feeling. I mentioned that to someone the other day. Huh, no kidding. Sort of like the music and, you know, yes. all of us wearing <laughs> asymmetrical hairstyles now. <laughs> okay, also looking forward to My Jasper June by Laurel Snyder, a beloved uh, Atlanta writer, middle grade novel coming out in September of 2019. Um, let's see, we've got to move along. We've got with us Jessica Osborne, Janet Geddes, Frank Reese, all Georgia booksellers, all beloved Georgia booksellers who's... Uh, curated choices we all trust for getting their recommendations for books to add to your summer reading list. We've also got Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. Ah, this, this is, and we recognize Emily. These are Emily's book picks over in Savannah. Great books, <laughs> books to read and great suggestions. But let's talk about some that don't get the kind of attention they deserve. You know, uh, publishers send out big books. They send out big advances. We get these kind of packages here all the time. You all are talking about picking up books that you hadn't thought of, but somebody led you to them, and that's what you do. You lead other people to books. Any any big books that you don't think get the kind of attention they deserve that you think is worth it? Janet, I think you picked out one, Time of the Butterflies, Butterflies by Julia Alvarez. Now, she's not someone I think of as an unsung writer. Yeah, I don't at all think she's unsung. However, I think there's a whole new audience that has yet to encounter her. And so that's one reason I, I've continued to hand sell her over the years. Um, Algonquin, her publisher, just released uh, anniversary editions of In the Time of the Butterflies and How the Garcia Girls Lost Their Accents, uh, two books that I really just adore. Uh, her writing is exquisite. Uh, but again, I think that a lot of people who read her 
have kind of uh, haven't necessarily passed the torch down to younger readers or mm. new audiences. Uh, so I love being able to say like, yes, she's been around for a little bit, but give it a chance. I mean, her writing really holds up and uh, unfortunately, politically wise, it it ends up being more and more relevant as the days pass. All right. Before we run out of time, Frank, you're one of your unsung heroes, Tommy Hayes. Also, you selected two books from Joseph Skybell. You can choose one to talk about now. The rest are going to remain unsung. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joseph Skybell is is an unsung, I think, uh, author here in Atlanta. Uh, he's over at Emory, and he he writes terrifically. And and a curable romantic is probably so far his masterpiece. Uh, it's set in. Uh, in the early days of the psychoanalytic movement in Austria, and it, it goes all over the place into the origins of Esperanto, and he's a brilliant, hilarious, uh, and demanding and unsung writer. How about you, Jessica? Anybody that you think that is being overlooked or books you think are being overlooked that you'd love to bring to our attention? Well, there is a new book, The Parisian, by Isabella Hammond, um, which is a debut novel. And I think that this is the book that really falls into sort of your readers that enjoyed um, The Gentleman from Moscow. It takes place during World War I. Um, it's a Palestinian young man who comes to study medicine in France and falls in love and and then ends up back in Palestine. Uh, Palest- ends up back at home with the British now in control. So it's both a love story, a history lesson, and and beautifully written. All right, we do have a recommendation for a fantasy novel from Rebecca Baggett. She just read Naomi Novik's Spinning Silver, a marvelous loose retelling of the Rumpelstiltskin tale, tale rather, and she said she got it at uh, uh, that and the new novel Uprooted at Avid Bookstore. And spinning mm-hmm. silver at E. Shaver. So she's covering all the bases. Re- Rebecca, you got to get to Atlanta and go to acapella and spread this stuff around <laughs> here. All right, let's see. How about some chestnuts? We've got just a couple minutes left. Uh, Janet, you have something on your list for kids. The Little Bear Books by Elsa Homeland Minerick, if I'm saying that right, illustrated by the beloved Maurice Sendak. What's so special about these? Uh, these books just feel like home to me. I look at the covers of them and I just feel cozy and warm. Um, the rhythm of the language is just comforting and beautiful and sweet. Uh, little Bear is a little bear who uh, just goes on adventures. I mean, it's just such simple stuff that young readers really like and I think adults will be comforted by. Uh, they're just early reader, small paperbacks, um, but just so great to cozy up in someone's lap um, and just read this with a loved one. Uh, I just really like that just the simple adventures he has and sort of the the ideas about life that it helps really young people start to explore. Jessica, your two classics, The Paperboy by Pete Dexter and I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith. You have to choose one. Uh, I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith, which I first heard of um, from Nancy Pearl on NPR when I was listening one morning, and she was doing a series on best first lines in books. And the line was, I write this sitting in the kitchen sink. That is my feeder in it. The rest of me is on the draining board, which I have padded with our dog's blanket and the tea cozy. And I was hooked. Uh, and I, <laughs> I, it's, it's still one of my all-time favorite books. And it's listed as a young adult book, but it's not. It really isn't. The protagonist is a young adult when she's writing it, but it's excerpts from her journals about her family, and it's it's just heartwarming and hilarious and perfect. Frank, we know this. We know the saying: "So many books, too little time." Mention the name of one book that you keep going back to. 
The King of Kings County by Whitney Terrell. Okay, that's what you get. <laughs> if you need more, you can go see Frank at Acapella Books and all of his booksellers. Frank Rees, owner of Acapella Books in Atlanta. Janet Geddes, owner of the Avid Bookshop in Athens. Jessica Osborne of E. Shaver in Savannah. Thank you all so much. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for being here. Okay, now we do want to keep hearing your suggestions. You can go and look at our website, gbbnews.org, and find the On Second Thought page to see all of their lists. I'm Makai Cherokee here with Obama Atlanta, Jeanette Baker, Young Peachtree, Moby Hall, Roach Wendell, and Paulman Lumpkin here at GPB. Thanks so much for listening. This is On Second Thought. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.